Scripture reading this morning comes from Mark chapter 6, verses 1 through 13 and 30 to 44. If you're using the Black Pew Bibles in front of you, you can find it on page 1597. Mark chapter 6, verses 1 through 13 and 30 to 44. Please rise for the reading of God's holy and inerrant word. He went away from there and came to his hometown, and his disciples followed him. And on the Sabbath, he began to teach in the synagogue. And many who heard him were astonished, saying, Where did the, this man get these things? What is the wisdom given to him? How are such mighty works done by his hands? Is not this the carpenter, the son of Mary, and the brother of James and Joseph and Judas and Simon? Are not his sisters here with us? And they took offense at him. And Jesus said to them, A prophet is not without honor, except in his hometown and among his relatives and in his own household. And he could not do no mighty work there, except that he laid his hands on a few sick people and he healed them. And he marveled because of their unbelief. And he went about among the villages teaching. And he called the twelve and he began to send them out two by two, and gave them authority over the unclean spirits. He charged them to take nothing for their journey except a staff, no bread, no bag, no money in their belts, but to wear sandals and not put on two tunics. And he said to them, Whenever you enter a house, stay there until you depart from there. And if any place will not receive you, and they will not listen to you, when you leave, shake off the dust that is on your feet as a testimony against them. So they went out and proclaimed that people should repent. And they cast out many demons and anointed with oil many who were sick and healed them. Verse 30. The apostles returned to Jesus and told him all that they had done and taught. And he said to them, Come away by yourselves to a desolate place and rest a while. For many were coming and going, and they had no leisure even to eat. And they went away in the boat to a desolate place by themselves. Now many saw them going and recognized them, and they ran there on foot from all the towns and got there ahead of them. When he went ashore, he saw a great crowd, and he had compassion on them, because they were like sheep without a shepherd. And he began to teach them many things. And when it grew late, his disciples came to him and said, This is a desolate place, and the hour is now late. Send them away to go into the surrounding countryside and villages and buy themselves something to eat. But he answered to them, You give them something to eat. And they said to him, Shall we go and buy two hundred denarii worth of bread and give it to them to eat? And he said to them, How many loaves do you have? Go and see. And when they had found out, they said, Five and two fish. Then he commanded them all to sit down in groups on the green grass. So they sat down in groups by hundreds and by fifties. And taking the five loaves and the two fish, he looked up to heaven and said a blessing and broke the loaves and gave them to the disciples to set before the people. And he divided the two fish among them all. And they all ate and were satisfied. And they took up 12 baskets full of broken pieces and of the fish. And those who ate the loaves were 5,000 men. This is the word of the Lord. 
You may be seated. After much uh, training, my friend uh, entered uh, a marathon race. That date uh, of the race uh, was cold and uh, drizzling. There was some initial concern, but he figured, well, once he gets started and he starts sweating a little bit, uh, everything's going to be okay. Unfortunately, uh, on about the 10th mile, he caught a cramp. His uh, muscle tightened up uh, because of the cold weather. In addition, he needed to use the bathroom. Well, there were various uh, portal parties uh, at different locations throughout the 26-mile race path. But once he entered into one of these porty potties, he noticed uh, there was a big difference. Uh, the porty potty shielded the wind and the cold, and actually it was warm inside. He started rubbing his legs, and, and the cramped went away. He really wanted to finish the race, but he wasn't sure how he was going to go about doing that. And because he got some rest there, he was re-energized. He headed back to the race. And every mile or two or thereabouts, uh, he headed to the porty potty. And there he warmed up, he massaged his legs, he got some rest, then he was ready to go again. And because he stopped, throughout the race and got some rest and warmed up, he finished the race. You know, in a ministry, it's like a marathon. The key to finishing well is to be recharged so that we might be able to charge again. One needs to pace himself and stay faithful. Definitely, um, we do not want to drop out the race. There'll be times where we uh, will get tired and we're worn out. There will be times where we might catch a cramp and, and want to quit. Too often, uh, we keep going. and Before we know it, we burn out. What we need to do is to be recharged so that we might be able to charge again. And this reminds me of a passage that we just read a moment ago in Mark chapter 6. If you have your Bibles, please turn to Mark chapter 6. There's a sermon outline in your bulletin that you can follow along with me. This passage uh, took place in the early part of Jesus' ministry. Here we see Jesus going home to Nazareth with his disciples. 
As we read uh, the first uh, couple of verses, we notice that uh, it was on the Sabbath that Jesus began to teach in the synagogue. And the Nazarenes uh, were amazed at Jesus' wisdom and power. Those uh, initial excitement uh, turned to skepticism. These were people that knew Jesus and have seen him grow up. They started asking questions. How did Jesus get all this wisdom and power? Isn't he the carpenter's son? He's just an ordinary guy. How, how does he do that? And we see that Jesus was rejected there. Jesus responded um, with a prophet, with a proverbs. He says that the prophet is not honor at his home. The people claimed that they knew him, but in reality, they only know about Jesus, but really they didn't know him or have a real personal relationship with him. We see in verse 5, that although Jesus has much power to perform miracles, he could not do any miracles there except lay hands on a few sick and to heal them. See, Christ's purpose was to perform miracles in the presence of faith. Now, the, the reason to why few healings were performed is because of lack of faith. Jesus was amazed at their lack of faith or their unbelief. And we see this in verse 6, in the beginning of verse 6. When we do not believe, we will not see many miracles take place. One would think that since they were familiar with Jesus, that they would be more likely to have faith in Jesus. But just as uh, many might be familiar with Jesus, it does not assure that person really know Jesus personally. Unfortunately, we find many that might have grown up in the church falling away from their faith after they leave for college because they have only known about Jesus and did not have a personal relationship with him. And there might be some of us here that have been a Christian for 20, 30 years. And we are familiar, definitely, with Jesus. We've gone to church for many years. But let me ask you, when was the last time you've seen God do a miraculous act in your life? If there hasn't been much going on, 
it might be a sign or indication of lack of faith. Jesus would be amazed at us being with him for such a long time, but have not stepped out in faith. Actually, as we look at scripture, Jesus responded in amazement only two times. The first time took place when the centurion had great faith, and Jesus was amazed at his great faith as recorded in um, Matthew chapter 8, verse 10. The captain said that Jesus just needed to say the word and his servant will be healed. That Jesus didn't have to come all the way to where he was to heal his servant because the centurion recognized Jesus' authority. And Jesus was amazed at his faith. On the other hand, we see here in Mark 6, the second recurrence of Jesus being amazed. And he was amazed just the very opposite at their lack of faith in Jesus. See, faith in God and great results go hand in hand. We've seen in this first section of the message, it talks about the, the malice of the Nazarenes, where Jesus was rejected. As we move into the second section, we have the mission of the twelve, where Jesus sent his disciples two by two into the mission field. And we see this recorded in verse 7 to 13. Now, this section marks a turning point in the Lord's ministry. Before this, only Jesus preached the gospel message. It was only him who, who healed disease and performed miracles and confronted the hard-hearted unbelief of Israel's religious uh, establishment. That changed when Jesus authorized these 12 disciples as official preachers. Now, after Jesus taught and modeled for the disciples, he commissioned the 12 to do likewise. Knowing that the remaining time that Jesus had on earth was limited, Jesus strategically multiplied the extent of his ministry by sending the 12 out. The dozen men here selected by Jesus had already spent countless hours accompanying and learning from Jesus. See, the Lord earlier promised them that he would train them to be fishers of men. Now, time has come for them to go out on their own to do evangelism. After the Jesus instructed and modeled for the disciples, he sent them out. He authorized them with power. They would pair up two by two 
and Jesus gave them authority over evil spirit. As we look at verses 8 to 11, Jesus gave them instructions. He says, don't take anything with you except what you have. Trust the Lord. Have faith in him, and he will provide for you. God will guide you to the right person to take care of you. They not only preach the word, but they also heal. They drove out demons. They anointed many sick people. See, all these miracles authenticated that the message that they were preaching was from God. Through the, their mission, they likely experienced uh, reception as well as rejection. There were some that embraced their preaching, and there were some that dismissed their preaching. Their major responsibility was to be faithful in preaching the gospel. God is responsible in converting the unsaved and to changing their hearts. Upon returning to, from their mission, they reported back what they have done and taught. And we see this in verse 30. They were excited about what God had done through them. They were probably tired. They were, they were so busy that they did not have time to eat. And we, we see this in verse 31. It says, Then because so many people were coming and going that they did not even have a chance to eat, they said to them, he said to them, Come with me by yourself to a quiet place and get some rest. See, ministry is 24-7. There's always something to do. And I praise God that many of you are committed to serving the Lord. God truly values our service, but he values more of our enjoying his presence. Jesus goes on to give us some wonderful advice. He says, come with me by yourself to a quiet place and get some rest. Too often, we tend to focus on results. God's actually much more interested in our heart than our works. We need to remember that we're in it for the long run. We need to finish strong and not burn out. This reminds me of a passage in Matthew chapter 11, verse 28 to 30. It says, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am gentle and humble in heart and you will find rest for your soul. 
For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Well, in order for the Jesus and disciples to get some rest, they got into the boat and they departed from the crowd. Although there were too many ministry opportunity there with the rest of the crowd, it was necessary for them to get away, to get some rest. You see, ministry is like a marathon and not a sprint. We are all human, and we get tired, and we need rest. May we run a little bit, get some rest, and get recharged so that we can charge again. It's always good to step back and evaluate where we are before proceeding forward again. Keep charging forward without a break is problematic. We see Jesus giving us the advice to go to a solitary place and get some rest. Take a Sabbath off. Do something different than ministering. Get some physical rest. Take a nap. It's okay. Don't feel guilty about it. We also need the spiritual refreshment. Allocate time to pray and study the Word of God. Journal, reflect, slow down, consult with God more, seek direction from Him, and make sure that we're on the right track. May we take a break. May we not think that we are irreplaceable. We might need to just Stop from ministry for a season. For me, it's, um, about every six weeks or so, I go on a personal retreat. I spend an extended time with God, going to a quiet place with Jesus and to rest in Him. I encourage you to do likewise. We see that Jesus found a creative way to get some rest by getting on a boat and heading into the sea. We see in verse 33 that the crowd anticipated that they, where they're going to end up on the other side of the Sea of Galilee. Therefore, the whole crowd started, started to run to the other side. It's about four or five miles to get to the other side. But in between that time, Jesus and the disciples were able to get some rest. And when they got uh, to the other side, uh, they found the crowd waiting for them. And one might see this as a nuisance. Like, hey, you know, we've been spending time with you all day. Or we could see it as an opportunity for ministry. You see it in uh, verse 34 that Jesus reached out to them with compassion. And you might say, why? Jesus saw them as sheep without a shepherd. See, sheep uh, are probably some of the 
term is animals. Jesus recognized that they didn't have a shepherd, that they needed direction. So the first thing that Jesus did was to teach them. And you know, time flew by so very quickly. Before they knew it, the sun started descending. And since they were at a remote place, and since it started to get dark, the disciples anticipated some problem that's going to come before them. The crowd uh, probably uh, was with Jesus all day long. They were probably hungry at that time. So the disciple went up to Jesus to recommend sending them home so they could buy something to eat. What was interesting was uh, how Jesus replied to their recommendation. He says... Um, Verse 37 says, you give them something to eat. This was a a command from Jesus. That might seem to be an impossible task. How on earth are they going to feed all these people? There were some 5,000 men there. These disciples kind of put on their thinking cap and they did some calculation and figure that it would take about eight months of uh, one's man's wages to buy so much food for all these people. And, you know, is that the best way to deal with the situation? Plus, they probably might not have all that money. Well, Jesus uh, sent the disciple off to find food. In verse 38, Jesus says, how many loaves do you have? He asked. Go and see. It would be natural to, for the disciple to complain and not go. Like, how on earth are we going to find food for all these people? But uh, they responded in faith through obedience to God, although it appeared that there weren't that much food at all available. The disciple made themselves available to Christ and obeyed him, although it seems to not make any sense what Jesus was asking them to do. Well, they managed to find five loaves and two fish. We've seen in another account in John chapter 6, verse 8 and 9, that it was Andrew who found this little boy with his lunch, five loaves and two fish. Can you imagine how that conversation that Andrew had with this little boy, whose mother probably prepared this uh, simple lunch for him? If you were the little boy... And if Jesus asked you to give him his, your lunch, you know, would you give it to him? Well, probably many of us uh, might not, would hesitate and might not want to give, and might want to keep it for himself. But we see that the boy was willing 
to give whatever he had. It seems to be just a little bit, but that's all he had that he gave to Jesus. You see, we, each one of us, have personal responsibility that is within our control. There are things that we need to do, that can choose to do or not to do. Yet there are also things that are out of our control. Those things we need to turn to the Lord and ask God to take care of. For he is our sovereign God. We see here the disciple obeyed Jesus and did what he asked them to do. Although it seems to be outrageous, they had faith in Jesus. If we only do our part, let God do his part, well, we will see great results. Too often, uh, we tend to play it safe. If we are to, if we were to ask to step out of our comfort zone, to, yeah, we, we do not like to do that because we're stepping into unfamiliar grounds. But many times, God wants us to step out of our comfort zone. It will require us to trust him more, to have faith in him. We recognize that we can't do it by ourselves. We need to rely on him to make it happen. When the disciples turn over the resources that they had to Jesus, Jesus multiplied it. You know, we're all familiar with the story of feeding of the 5,000. Actually, it is the only miracle that is recorded in all four Gospels. Now, the number of times it is mentioned shows the importance of this miracle. And whatever is turned over to God, he does wonders with it. Now, before the miracle took place, Jesus directed uh, the crowd to sit down in an orderly manner, like getting them into groups of 150s. Jesus thanked the Lord looking up into heaven. He realized what was going to happen next was an act of God that he's going to perform a miracle. Let us take a look in verse 41 and 42. It says, Taking the five loaves and the two fish and looking up to heaven, he gave thanks and broke the loaves. Then he gave them to his disciples to set before the people. He also divided the two fish among them. They all ate and were satisfied. Jesus broke the loaves and gave it to the disciple to distribute. <laughs> the loaf just kept reproducing in Jesus' hand. I'm sure the disciples were amazed, looking, well, what was going on here? He just gave it away, and oh, another loaf reappear and reproduce 
right in front of their own eyes. And the disciple only had a meager offering to give. But we see whatever is given into the hands of the master, he can multiply it. The key is to be willing to give it to Jesus and to believe that God can do something bigger with it. Well, that requires faith. As a result, we see a miracle that took place, the feeding of 5,000. As we take a look in verse 44, it says there were 5,000 men. You know, if we were to take count of women and children, it could be as many as 20,000 people. Think about that. That's a lot of people. Those five loaves and two fish went a long way. Not only did all the people ate, but they were satisfied. Probably some of them went back for second, or even thirds. But not only did all the people ate and were satisfied, but there were leftovers. We see in verse 43, that the disciples uh, picked up the 12 basket full of broken pieces of bread and fish. And when we put resources in the hands of the master, he can reproduce it. The little boy didn't appear to give much to the Lord, but he gave what he had. And the Lord took the small lunch and fed as many as 20,000 people. What are you willing to give to the Lord today? Do we believe in faith that God can multiply what we give to him? As we begin and start a new year tomorrow, may we learn to trust God more. May we be willing to give more of our time, more of our talent, more of our treasure to him, and let him reproduce it in front of us. Let us make ourselves available to the Lord. And may we be willing to step out of our comfort zone and do that which God has called us to do. And may we remember that ministry is a marathon. God appreciates our service, but we need to get rest along the way so that we could be recharged. Then we could charge again. Now, some of us here desperately need rest. May we rest and not feel guilty. Some of us here need to get off of our seat and get into the game. 
and may we be available for the Lord. He can multiply what we give to him. It would be the most adventurous ride in your life. Let us pray. Dear God, thank you for saving us. Thank you for giving us gifts and abilities, giving us treasures. Lord, um, we are to give it back to you. May we make ourselves available to you, Lord. For surely that which we give to you, you can multiply and do bigger things than we can imagine. And Father, we thank you for many that have served you faithfully. And some of us here really need some rest. It's okay. You know, you will provide others to serve you. May we get some rest and get recharged so that we can charge again. Yes, some of us here need to make ourselves available to serve you. Father, we offer ourselves to you as we start a new year. May you use us mightily. May we step out of our comfort zone and may we place our faith in you. Put our resources into your hands and see it multiply. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.